you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go. When the Iron Lady sings it, that's when you know it's official. Welcome to Big Show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. As always, please refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. If you haven't, guilt trip them, shame them, offer them money, bribe them, tell them you'll tell them their deepest, deepest dark secrets to the Washington Post, or unless they go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, linkedin.com, Fortress Chris Voss, subscribe to that big LinkedIn newsletter and the big 130,000 LinkedIn group. And uh, all the other places on the internet, you can find the Chris Voss Show. We had an amazing young lady on the show today. She's going to be imparting to us how to be smurter. As always, we have the most smurder people on the show. Smurder? It sounds like murder. It's like smart murdering. I don't know what that means. I'm just making up stuff as I go along. As we do, Valerie Delforge joins us on the show today. Her newest book comes out, I believe, in a week or two, December 26, 2023. It's called I'd Rather... Do it myself from micromanagement to leadership. And we're going to be talking to her about some of her insights, her business, and what she does. Valerie Delforge is an international business strategist consultant, author, and public speaker, assisting in international leaders to in the spa and industry. I'm sorry, in the spa and beauty industry. I clearly need both of those things to create a sustainable and profitable business. She's been in the beauty industry for 30 years and not only managed to successfully achieve all set targets and aspire teams to deliver high standards expected in high-end spas, but also developed an easy-to-follow strategy to create a year-over-year strategic growth. She's had commercial success experience from Clarence Urban Retreat, and her last role as the head of spa operations of Steiner UK, as well as her own beauty salon. She recognizes the various challenges owners and managers are facing and can focus their work on key strategies that are easy to implement in their business. Welcome to the show, Valerie. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, obviously, on the best post podcast. <laughs> there you go. We're just here for the brain bleed, really. So yeah. give us a give us your links, your dot coms. Where can people find you on the interweb, which is in the sky? You can find me on LinkedIn under Valerie Delforge, or you can find our website on the, the group.co.uk. And you've got all of our contact details on there if you wanted to have a little chat with us and discuss how we can help you. There you go. So your new book, I'd Rather Do It Myself. Tell us a 30,000 overview of what's inside this. So I kind of been consulting for about 10 years now, and we know three years ago was the big, the big pandemic, which obviously being a consultant, I was a lot on the road. I was traveling a lot to my clients, mm -hmm. suddenly put everything online, suddenly became kind of a 
much more focused on an international level. I've always worked with Ireland, UK and France, but the online world, obviously, just like yourself, just kind of opens you up to so much more. Mm. Uh, I'm focusing mainly on coaching one-to-one for managers, owners of beauty salons and spas and hair salons, but we've been also coaching a lot of different industries. We just haven't really talked about it. But we coach people in the service industry, let's say. They could be a coffee coffee shop owner or a restaurant or a clothes shop at some point. So we... We kind of look into the structure, the operation of the business. And uh, what I have noticed since the pandemic is the rise of the micromanagers. You know, Mm -hmm. we just want to hold on to everything because we're so scared. We can't recruit, which is an international problem. The recruitment is just very difficult in a very, very skilled industry. Mm -hmm. But also, even if you look at other service industry, it can be very difficult. And, you know, we do a lot of mystery shops. We do a lot of things where we see the customer service being compromised. And what happens is the owner kind of want to take everything on board and just not share anything. They can't recruit, so they may as well do it themselves. You know, I may as well do it myself. But what that does, it just ultimately stops the growth of the business and the owners themselves. Yeah, it's hard to scale if you're trying to do Yes, yes. Well, this is a problem of the smaller entity. You know, we're working a lot. We're working with big groups, big spas, corporates, etc. But we also have a huge amount of smaller salon owners and smaller owners. So I guess what's difficult when you have got a big company, when you've got a corporate, you've got kind of the structure there to help you. And Mm -hmm. you've an IT man that comes and help you for, with your computer and you've got an electrician and you've got someone that can come and do maintenance. When you are working in a smaller company and your own company, you tend to be all these things. You're the electrician, you're the plumber, you're the one who's, you know, the go-to person to do everything because, you know, no one else is there to support you. So, yeah, I was always um, the janitor too. Yeah, I mean, totally. Yeah. Always you know, and and I think that, you know, every single role is very important, but we tend to kind of grab onto everything we can because we can't recruit, because it's a difficult market at the moment. So I felt that I've always had, always had a book in me. I've always wanted to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a lot of blogs and articles and everything else. But I felt this was a lot of people kind of thought, oh, I'm going to write about how to, to run a successful business. Mm-hmm. But I, I think for me, the structure and the systems that I've put in this book are the success of your of your business. It's really about you, how you're going to manage. It comes from the top. You know, we've all heard that, isn't it? It comes from the top, oh, and it has to be. It has to be a system and structure to kind of follow. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to share that. I guess my last role was spa operations, head of spa operation. So I was very operational, you know, all about the details. And especially when it comes to spas and beauty salons, it's about the detail. The client doesn't want to know that you're running around because the cleaner hasn't cleaned and someone's going <laughs> to sick and you have to cover reception and the client's complaining. So the client that comes in, they just want to come in and relax. So it's very, very important that we really not get stuck in the day-to-day operation. And that's a lot of owners that we meet. They're stuck in the day-to-day. They're stuck being the electrician changing that light bulb, etc. So we, you know, we, we kind of love 
what we do, we do one-to-one coaching because every business, as far as I'm concerned, is different, it's got different inspiration mm-hmm. and different structure. So we help to put the system in place according to how you work and how you function. Very uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about your upbringing. What, what got you into the entrepreneur bug and in this spa business? Yeah, I mean, I came, I'm, I'm French originally, I'm sure you've heard, but I've got a bit of an accent where everyone's thinking, where is she from exactly? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so I'm French, I've, I was born in France, I lived there till I was 21. Mm-hmm. And at 21, I had enough money to kind of come to the UK. I had a friend who told me, just go over there, learn English. And, you know, 31 years later, I'm still here. Oh. Um, I have my children here and, you know, my life is here. So absolutely loved the way kind of it functioned here the way it was mm-hmm. a lot more perhaps less academic than France mm-hmm. France is very academic you know you have to have all these all these studies in order to do something so I kind of felt I could grow a lot more so I started in a in the as a waitress you know I had enough money for a month and I actually ended up having a job and then after about a year when traveling came back and so now I still want to stay in the UK and started working for an agency that placed placed me in different parts of big department stores. We speak brands like Lancome or, or Dior or whatever. And then after a while, I thought I'm quite liking this. And I started applying for different companies and started my role uh, with Clinique, which is a big skincare company. Mm-hmm. Learned everything about, I guess with Clinique, it was all about sales, with Clarence, it was all about time management, organization, managing big teams. I was up to 230 staff members at one point that I had to, you know, was IRA manager for. After that, I had my own little business, my own little salon. Then I became director, not director, it was a direct manager for Occitane, which is a French brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that, I worked with Urban Treat. I mean, you know, just kind of every role brought something to the table, basically. There and you. 10 years ago, after being head of spa operation, I was getting a lot of people asking me for help. Mm-hmm. And so I was starting to kind of coach on the side, really, really enjoying this and thought, you know what, I'm going to set up my own kind of coaching group. And mm-hmm. I did that 10 years ago and absolutely never turned back. I think it's just, I think you learn, isn't it? Any role that you have, you learn from it and you take that experience. No one can take that away from you. And I think having all the the, the structure and the systems in place, I thought, right, I've got something to give back, and that was the time to do so. There you go. So what made you finally decide that it was time to write a book on this? I guess I was starting to write the book in 2019, and then it was about leadership. But it was kind of no frame to it as such. I was just starting to put things together. And then what we know what happened in 2020, and we had a lot of lockdown here in the UK. My business suddenly, right, I need to go online. That was already online, but not to that extent. And, you know, kind of decided, okay, I'm going to go back into it. And only went back into writing in 2022 last year mm-hmm. and managed to finally finish the book, which to me was kind of a passion project, if I'm honest. It wasn't necessarily a must write a book. It was more of a, of a passion project. What do I want? And I've learned a lot from this process as well. You, you just never stop learning, I don't think. From, oh, yeah. Uh, from all those things that you do. That's, that's one of the key things. So in your coaching practice and stuff, can you tell us what's one of the worst examples of micromanaging 
that you couldn't maybe ever seen or a story maybe you've heard? Yeah, I mean, perhaps one of the worst has been a manager who, sorry, an owner who started coaching with me and, uh, you know, it was clear that she needed support. She had a team of seven therapists and uh, two receptionists, it's a fairly big team, but had no management around her. To her, spending the money on a manager was just kind of not necessarily because, necessary because, you know, I, I, it's fine, I can handle it, I can handle it. <laughs> but on the side of it, when you hear, I do my VAT on a Sunday, you know, when the salon is closed, or I take my phone when I go away on holiday, or I don't really have time, I'll do it when the children are in bed, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. After a while, you kind of need to think to yourself, if you've created your business and you really want this business to work for you, then you've got to make it work for you differently. And that's going back to the structure. So if we hire a manager, the manager can offload a lot, you can offload a lot of things to the manager. And from that, you then can become the owner you should become, which is working on the marketing strategy, working on the networking, working on really developing each staff member and actually have a day off when you don't have a phone ringing or when you don't have to go and change that light bulb. So it's about understanding why you need someone to support you. So anyway, we took on this lovely person, this lovely manager, and what was happening after a while, it appeared that this owner wanted the manager to email her every morning and every evening to tell Holy her what crap. she was doing. I know. And it's just like all the manager was doing was just absolutely focused on these emails and not really focusing on the day-to-day -day because she was just too scared yeah, about you're busy. what the owner was going to do. That's it. You're just busy and a lot of owners, Sorry? You're just busy documenting everything. They're, they're being yeah, basically, to, it's, yeah. it's document for document's sakes. And actually, if you're not trusting the person you're employing, what is the point? Yeah, you have point? to eventually trust the system that you put in place. Otherwise, but there are ways we can check and double check things. Mm -hmm. you know. And, and it appears as well that she was doing a lot of things that were just a little bit, you know, a lot of WhatsApp messages. I mean, I love to oh, wow. hate WhatsApp as well. You know, I love WhatsApp, but I also don't like it, <laughs> especially when you're managing. I think it becomes a tool that is constantly used. So the owner was like, you know, having a shower in the morning and just decided, yeah, I've got about 5,000 things I want to get the manager to do and WhatsApping her like crazy at 6 o'clock oh. in the morning. And the manager wakes up to not only having to do an email and on top of that, all these things that were in the owner's head. And mm -hmm. it's all valid and it's lovely. But in another hand, when I, I discussed that with the owner, she turned around and said, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's just in my head. I just need to offload it. But all it did was stressing the manager out. It really oh, yeah. just made her feel inadequate and actually that she had too much to do that wasn't focused on the day to day. So, yeah, needless to say, she did leave after about a couple of months. <laughs> Didn't work out. You know, that's that, that, that really is a thing, you know, looking at the workload that you're throwing at your people. I mean, they don't really need to experience all of you, you know, that's you can it. wait on some things. I mean, especially when you're waking up in the morning, you're waking up in the morning going, hey, I'm going to go work today and I got a lot to do. And then you're waking up in the morning seeing some sort of manic crap from your boss and you're like, I know, exactly. What the hell? Exactly. This, this, and then I just woke up. Can you wait till after <laughs> coffee? Please. <laughs> Especially and, uh, coffee for sure. What do you think? 
what what what, are the, what do you think are the reasons people do the micromanaging is it insecurity is it <laughs> what is the underlying facets of that i mean the main the main aspect of micromanagement i believe is control you know you want to control every single aspect of your business it's your baby mm -hmm. you've built it you've done it yeah. yourself so you know the system you know what works so mm -hmm. and if you make a mistake it's down to you it's not having to train someone and a lot of the barriers i get when it's about structure is you know it's it's that oh well by the time i train her i may as well do it or she's gonna yeah. make mistakes so i may as well do it or it's no point because so it ends up being a bit of a vicious circle because you're not trusting that so there's a definite control and a trust that's really difficult. It's very ingrained into the owner that, you know, I, I can't, I don't know if I can trust this person. What if she leaves? What if she goes? What if, or, you know, or he goes, what happens then? Or, you know, so, so we're not trusting the systems in place and we're certainly not trusting the, the, the people in a way, you know, so we love people. We, we need to work with them, but we don't really trust fully. So there's yeah. a bit of control and trust for sure. Control and trust, it's your baby, you know, and and sometimes you're just like, oh, it's easier and faster if you just do this to them. But, you know, yeah. it's one of those things where if you don't teach a person how to fish, you know, they can't fish. And if you keep yeah. robbing them of the ability to learn the thing. And, and the other thing is, too, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you have to allow that your, your staff is going to make mistakes. Yes. Regardless of how good your training is, and sometimes it might be you and your training and communication is not good. But uh, you know that's something you have to address too. But for the most part, it's it's uh, they're going to make mistakes. I mean, that's just it. You're going to make mistakes if you do it to yourself for too long, <laughs> and if you stretch yourself too thin, yes. you're going to make mistakes because you're not on top of it. I've I've been guilty of that where I was micromanaging something for someone mm -hmm. or doing their task for them. And I mucked it up because I was jumping in and just trying to, oh, I'll just, I'll just do it really quick or whatever. And, and someone will show you how to fix that later. And, and, and then I go and screw it up and I'm like, geez, I should just let them do it. They, they, they <laughs> might've known more about what's going on than I did at this point. Exactly. And I always believe, like, I've never been a, a beauty therapist. I've always been a manager. You know, mm. I don't want to be a beauty therapist. Do your job well. You know, hire people that do their job well, because if you do your job well, that's better for me. I can focus on other things. So, you know, you, you've kind of hit it a little bit as well on communication. I think mm -hmm. the heart of everything, and this is, I talk a lot about soft skills in the book, where soft skills of leadership. And to me, the key, key soft skills that the owner needs to adopt is number one, time management. If time management in an operational business, so I'm really talking about service, client service business, you know, if the time, if your time management is not on point, then you will feel very, very overwhelmed from the tiniest little things, or you will feel that you're not growing necessarily. So time management for me has always been a big, big, big impact in my life. You know, I've had a, I've had some, some harsh lessons. So I've had to really focus on my time management. And I believe that's the number one thing that we do with the owners when we work on the one-to-one -one basis, because it allows us to really get that that kind of everything in your head on paper and we can deal with that now we can dilute it and we can deal and we can delegate which is also another sort of skill of leadership 
But the main one to me, and obviously being French in the UK, I've had to learn the hard way, you know, in many ways. It's a bit too direct, a bit too straightforward. So, you know, oh. I have to put what we call gloves on, you know, I had to kind of be a bit softer <laughs> and say please and thank you and be much, you know, much more relaxed into the way I was communicating. But communication is the number one priority as a soft skill. If you don't, if your communication is too much of, then it's overwhelming. If your communication is too little, then it's actually worrying for the team because they don't know where they stand. If your communication is sporadic or, or we know everything in our head, but we're not communicating. And a lot of time when we work with the owners, they know where they're going. They know the direction. I can bet you that the, that the team doesn't because they've not been communicated it properly. So, I mean, my manager used to say to me, but Valerie, I've said it so many times, you know, why should I, you know, I've said it, I've said it. Well, if you've said it and it's not heard, that means you've not said it properly. So you go back and listen to and, and go back and see what you've done that you could do differently. Mm -hmm. And a lot of time is one-to-one -one meetings are important. The team meetings are important. People on holiday to come back to them and focus on them when they come back to get them to know the business. But, you know, Chris, we have got this issue as well nowadays, isn't it, where we always feel the generation that's coming is never as good <laughs> or is never listening or they don't just care or they're that. not first. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I don't know. I'm just teasing the Gen Zs. So uh, what, <laughs> how do you see that changing? Do you see change? leadership changing under this new generation I think uh, it does change. Mm -hmm. sorry yeah go ahead well i think yes it is going to change in the way we communicate for example because you can't communicate with a, a gen z i guess the way you're going to communicate with someone who's a little bit more established mm -hmm. but i do also think that if you are sure of your values and who you are as a business owner and you are sure about your systems and your processes and you know what you're delivering, then you are going to attract the right people to you. And I think sometimes what I'm seeing a lot of is that we're complaining a lot, in particular with recruitment, oh, there's no recruitment, but we don't say when there's a really good gem out there. You know, when I talk to some clients and oh, I've recruited this young girl, she's amazing, they shout about that. You know, we only hear the negatives. What about the yeah. gems out there that are doing well, that actually have got growth to go? We should be shouting about that, you know, I feel a lot more. To me, that's leadership. And I think that, yes, it's always going to be a generation issue. But when I go back to my dad and his dad, you know, they had generation clashes in a big way in the 60s. That's true. <laughs> That's true. In big ways. You know, when I look back at my mom in the 19, you know, 1968, 69, they were burning, burning bras in Paris, weren't they? So, you know. We're burning bras right there. now over here. Yeah, <laughs> to fun. be fair. Makes for some nice stop. marshmallows and I don't know what that means and hot dogs. <laughs> there you go. What was the other question I had for you here? How do you think leadership has changed over the last few years and how can business owners, what can they do to become better leaders? I think it's really being very centered into your own path. I think a lot of things, Chris, is that there's so much information out there. Mm -hmm. There's too much information out there. And a lot of time we get owners coming to us and say, look, I know what I'm doing. And a lot of owners know what they're doing. It's not like they don't know. They know what they're doing. 
but they don't know where to start. They don't know what they need to do in order to grow. They don't know how to kind of manage this new generation or even how to, to talk to their, to their staff members. So it's going back to basics. And when they start with us, when a member staff start with us, we tend to say to them, look, don't listen to anything for at least six months. Just, just stay in the path of the structure we want to, to build with you of mm -hmm. the operation that we want to do with you. And then once you really set, you're grounded, you know where you are and you're aligned with your vision. Because a lot of time we might, we might not have a vision anymore. We might be a little bit lost in where we are, a bit of burnt out. I've seen a lot of burnt out lately mm. where we just on that wheel and that motion where we don't really know uh, where we're going. There's a lack of direction. But I think if you're aligning yourself with your business and you're aligning yourself with your structure and your systems in place, there's no reason for you not to be successful in the business that you want and you drive the business rather than the business driving you, you know. So to me, leadership has changed because it's, there's a, a lot of things that we do. We compare ourselves so much more because of the lovely social media out there. You know, I was talking to a, to a client not long ago, hey, this person's got it all much more sorted than I have. How do you know that? This is the Instagram yeah. life. And I'm, I'm in a generation where, you know, when I tell my daughters, we didn't have Google and Facebook and all of that jazz. Like, oh, my God, you're like a dinosaur. So, yeah, no, dinosaur. We didn't have any dinosaur. Wow. Wow. That's cool. So, you know, we, we kind of we kind of had to learn. I remember my my marketing director from one of the brand I was working with turned around and said, oh, there's this new thing called Facebook. It's coming out. I need content. I said, oh, what is that about? You know, we used to network. We used to go to colleges to try and find stuff. We used to go in. We, we used to network a lot more on the face-to-face. -face. So with everything now accessible and mm -hmm. so much information, if as an owner you're not grounded or you're not sure about your system or you're feeling overwhelmed or you're on that burnout mode, then there's something that you need to do. And coaching for me is the best aspect of the support that you can get. Because if you find the right coach, you need to make sure that you're aligning with that coach as well. You, you know, they are there's a lot of coaches out there so you've got to make sure you're choosing the person that you're happy with you feel that connection and they're going to help you to sort you know an aspect of your business out or sort the time management or sort the way you're thinking and your mindset so i think leadership has changed in a sense that it's just so much out there so it's difficult to know what's best sometimes there you go. And yeah, I mean, if you're burning out, that's usually a point that maybe you need to, to delegate and quit mm -hmm. trying to do everything yourself, right? You need to, you definitely are, you usually need to delegate probably. Yeah, but I think that's when you're scared to delegate. Like you just said, you know, earlier, you delegated something, so oh, I may as well just do it because, you know, it's quicker, it's faster. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. going to get the results I hopefully want. So you tend to kind of delegate without delegating. You know, you delegate, but maybe if I do that, then I'll be okay. So really, you're not growing anyone else. I think the recruitment is not helping. I think we're so scared of the recruitment that, you know, we tend to, 
either not recruit or we don't believe in a new recruit straight away. So there's a lack of training and recruitment around around what's going on at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So you do hear shop horror stories of people. Yes, I'm coming on Sunday. I'm starting on Sunday and they never turn up or, you know, coming to the interviews with big hoop earrings and jeans and T-shirts and thinking. Wait, that's how I show up in interviews. Big hoop earrings. And, yeah. I don't know what interview that is for, but you know. I mean, I I hope it gets me a job, but I don't know. What but you know, in in where what in the industry we're in, I think that's the thing is that if you're if you're kind of burnt burnt by all the interviews you've had or people not turning up or whatever, then you tend to just go back to your old way and you stick to what you know. And I think that's the, that's been a big issue lately. It's definitely since the pandemic is definitely. highlighted it even more. That and that and you know hiring right and doing the process right of hiring and vetting is. Yeah. I mean that's a whole skill set in of its own. You know we <laughs> we sure. did the thing with our companies where we just you know people show up, we interview them, you're like, hey, you want a job? You sound great. And then you know we bring them on and find out that you know it was kind of those things where. You know, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, and then all of a sudden they show yes. up on the job, and you're like, you know, <laughs> your head spinning around like the Exorcist, and the pea, pea soup spewing everywhere. And so we found, you know, we had to tighten up the whole ship on how we interviewed and have three or four different interviews and have a, have a, a a really cool process, and and that made like all the difference in the world. But yeah, it's a just about just it's many. A yeah, just about any part of your business is a process, and some people exactly. won't want to do that work and make that commitment, but you kind of have to. That or hire people to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Or you upload through, you know, a different outsource. You know, maybe yeah. it could be a PA, maybe it's a recruitment agency, maybe it's a marketing agency. But even that, Chris, is an element of even let's say I'm seeing a lot of marketing agencies lately that have come out of the woodwork in woodwork. Is that how we say it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's come out of the woodwork. Every now and then I have sayings thinking, am I doing it right? So, you know, that come out and then just, you know, suddenly I'm the expert in marketing or whatever and you're thinking okay you as an owner you still need to manage an aspect of the marketing you mm -hmm. still need to manage that agency you still need to give them content you still need to check so your role becomes different and that's why you need the time you can't be going to change the light bulb because you need that time to kind of make sure the, the, the growth and the strategy and the systems and the processes are in place mm -hmm. and our success has been and is in in very much, you know, the fact that we have owners that are not in a business necessarily, or if they are, it's because they want to one or two days a week in terms of treating clients. Otherwise, they are working on the business and they're doing better, better, better than ever. Some of them have doubled their sales. Because, you know, they're focusing on the growth of the business, not on the nitty gritty day to day. And you get to a stage after a while where do you really want to do certain aspects of your recruitment? For example, with recruitment, you know, it is a process. I never used to do the first interview. We have these things called trait tests, which is a, a testing the, the, you know, the, the hairdresser or the therapist or, or whatever. So we used to, to trait test. I didn't get involved in any of that as a GM or head of spa. I got involved at the last hurdle, which was, okay, 
we like this person, pass the trade test, pass the two interviews, now is your third and final interview with you. And I would then see if they fit in the team. So my time wasn't set into those that, that system because someone else can do that. You know, my head yeah. therapist can do that. My head, my manager can do that. So when we have the system in place, it's it's so much easier because a lot of time we recruit thinking, oh my God, it's great, I'm going to get the best person in this in this role. She's going to be all he or they is going to be amazing and it's going to be incredible and they're going to come with a magic wand and they're going to make everything much better. Wow, that sounds great. Like that. It does yeah. not work like that because you, no one has a magic wand. You have to have your system, your process, the way you want to run things. Someone can come in and follow those, what you want and bring in something extra that maybe you never thought of, but it's implemented in the correct way. And a lot of time what we find is, you know, in a bigger structure, in a way you can delegate, you can do all of that. When you're a small structure, so it's yourself to other people, it's a lot harder to do any of that. So then you've got to outsource and then you have to think, should I spend my money on a receptionist? Should I spend my money on a manager? You know, and that is a budget, 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 budget. And I do, we do everything around budget and figures and numbers. There you go. So give us your pitch out as we go out. How can people onboard with you, get familiar with your services, reach out to you, see if you're a fit, et cetera, et cetera. So the, you, you go onto my website or you can email or send me a little message on LinkedIn. We will come back to you. You'll have a consultation with one of the coaches, which is mainly Amy, who is my lovely business partner, who's also a coach. She's an ex-salon owner. She will assess what, what is it that you need. Do you need a business audit? Do you need more of the management leadership program? So we've got audits, we've got program, we've got training for the teams, etc. So Amy will do the consultation and from that we then see what's really good for you because I've always run my business through the what you need rather than this is what we do and it's all square and that's it it's important that you know we have the programs but we also have the audits that allows us to understand then once we've done the audit what is it that you need what is it that we need to focus on is it more recruitment is it more structure maybe you have it so it's very tailor make is what i want to say so have that consultation with amy and simply book it on the website and then from that we'll take it take it from there and have the journey with us Ideally, we like to work with someone for six months, but sometimes it's shorter depending on the needs. And then the key for me as a consultant has always been to give you the reins and the systems so you don't have to constantly needing someone by your side. But, you know, we have members that have been with us for a long time, four or five years, one is six years, um, because they like that accountability. Every month is an accountability. Every month, you know, we really discuss the ins and outs and that growth that we are so needing in the, in the business. There you go. Well, it's been wonderful to have you on, Valerie, and so Thank insightful. You. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Really there fun. you go. And uh, thanks to our audience for tuning in. Order of the book, Wherever Fine Books Are Sold, coming out December 26, 2023, Christmas area there. I'd Rather Do It Myself by Valerie Delforge. Thanks to our audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Chris Foss, one on the tickety tockety, the big LinkedIn newsletter, and the 130,000 LinkedIn group. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.